Welcome, I'm Lana. Joining me is Sarah Dye and Carissa, who are the lovely ladies behind the Hearth and Helm podcast and blog that focuses on everything from pregnancy to child rearing, uh, homeschooling, homesteading, diet, culture, spirituality, and politics. It's all the uh, vital and good stuff that we should be discussing, especially now. So welcome to you both. Thank you so much Thank for you. having us. <laughs> I think we can only see one at a time, too. Right? So, there we go. There's the other one. Yeah. So last time I had you on, Sarah, was in 2019. And your family was being harassed by some local Antifas at the farmer's market because basically you weren't uh, hating yourself for being white. And the city even shut down the farmer's market as a way just to keep you guys out to not be a part of it. And that was your first interview, actually, that you ever did was with me. And we covered this topic. And there was a lot of press surrounding this whole thing. So whatever came of the lawsuit, by the way, that followed? Oh, gosh. Well, when when I first interviewed with you in July of 20 or in August of 2019, I believe it was, there were uh, there were so many other things that transpired after that. Um, from that interview, we were able to um, get an attorney, which was great because the city was like pressuring us to come to this mediation, but there wasn't actually a mediator there. It was um, a meeting, like a private meeting where they were wanting to pressure us into like moving our booth space and all these other ridiculous things. So um, we were able to get an attorney and then, yeah, there was this kind of long, it's a long saga. So I don't really, I don't know how much time you want me to take on it, but um, it went on for, I guess, what, a year and a half two like two years, two years, I guess, because it was only within the past couple of months that the case has uh, finally been closed. And unfortunately, we did lose the case. Um, the judge granted favor uh, to the city for their motion for summary judgment. Um, so while that was very disappointing, um, there were several other small victories um, along the way and just regarding the whole situation. So, you know, it's like you you see the silver linings and um, and kind of acknowledge that like this is a, a very like long, this is a long process of our folk. And this was one situation like what happened with our family was one microcosm in this in, in this huge struggle. And um, and within that microcosm, the lawsuit was one large aspect of the situation, but it wasn't the whole situation. Um, so, you know, count we got to count the victories where we can. We yeah. did lose the lawsuit. I mean, is it surprising? Like I looked into the judge. No, I he, mean, come on. It's oh all it's gosh, all rigged at this point, And the city was, you know, full of a, yeah. a lot of these judges are Antifa. A lot of the local governments are Antifa. The Supreme Court is like stacked with Antifas now. So really uh, not surprised about that. But it's important that you fought back and you got press surrounding it. And also that you can still be at the farmer's market and you can. Right. Absolutely. We are still allowed to vend there. Our application, uh, I turned it in this year. It was approved. And um, I can go to that market whenever I want. If I want to show up on a Saturday and sell vegetables, then, you know, maybe I'll just do that. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> Good. Now, Carissa, or I should say Lady Lazarus, uh, I had you on in 2016. This is crazy. 2016 for a, it was actually a podcast interview that we did. Also, I think this was your first. We weren't doing video regularly. Uh, do you remember this one? <laughs> I remember feminists, they yeah. were they were writing about it. The title was uh, Pro-White is Pro-Woman, Feminism is Anti-White. I think it, it, it was a, a classic. Yeah. Any updates? Yeah, it was. Any updates since well, then? I mean... 
a yeah, lot. Yeah, I mean, sure. I was kind of a baby then, it seems like. <laughs> I mean, I, I didn't have children yet. So much has changed, um, you know, just becoming a mother throughout all that time. Um, you know, we got docs uh, within that time, too, which is, you know, not surprising. It happens when you're when you're in these circles and everything. Um, I know in that interview, we talked a little bit about the folk school uh, that I was a part of. I got uh, unwelcomed from there after the doxing, which is here nor there. But um, yeah, I just I mean, just I've grown and evolved. And, you know, eventually Sarah and I hooked up and, you know, decided to start Hearth and Helm and just have persevered forward. That's good. And of course, you know, since then, I've been banned from just about everything. But you know what? The three of us, we're still here. We're talking to each other. We're reaching people. And uh, more people are agreeing with us now more than ever, which drives our haters mad. We're exposing more of their goals even harder. uh, And they're making that easier for us to do. And we're going to get into some of those things. But I did want to ask, since it's springtime, I know you both, uh, well, Sarah's a a farmer. And I know you're getting into homesteading as well. How's, How's the planting coming? I mean, big springtime traditions also for uh, Easter. In in our at our little homestead, what we have going on right now is um, we've got arugula coming up, spinach, lettuces, radishes. I just had uh, the first salad of the year today with arugula, and it was Love so it. delicious. Yeah, really fun. Um, and we're we're going to be planting potatoes here in the next few weeks, and you know all of the crops that we grow each year that's all going really well and we've got some chickens we've downsized a lot we no longer have sheep and goats at this time but um, it's a little bit more manageable because my husband had to pick up some work off the farm just with everything that happened um, you know unfortunately schooner creek farm was not making us enough money you know to ca- to get by so he's had to uh, get a different job but you know those are turning over a new leaf is good too yeah. so the kids are helping me and it's just mom and the kids mostly out there putting the garden in so yeah, I know so Carissa's cool. got fun stuff going on at her place too. Tell us about it, Carissa. I know I didn't even yeah. know that you were doing that kind of stuff, but were you? I don't think when we talked, you were. I think you were thinking about it, but you hadn't really gone yeah, there not, yet. Not really. I mean, I've always. I my dad was a huge gardener growing up. I grew up in South Florida, and we had orange trees and grapefruit trees and lemon and lime and a huge garden and avocado tree. So that that's always I've always dabbled a little bit in gardening, but not to the extent I am now. Just kind of trying to build on to everything but I, I'm just getting my my seed sown and getting ready to plant we we just had snow the other day so I I'm kind of holding off a little bit but um yeah I mean I've got chickens now and this year I'm trying to focus on getting bees to start being able to harvest some honey and I just every year I'm trying to to add a little bit more onto things so it's a little bit more manageable for just being realistic with having small children and a husband that works a lot away from the home as well and just uh taking it one, one step at a time. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And I want to get some tips on that. I know, Sarah, you've been doing this a while, too, because we're hearing about, you know, coming food shortages. We're seeing costs rise, including the costs of a- animal feed, which is it's all manufactured, as we've been covering, to uh, further this great reset. These globalists are obsessed with creating ultimately a world of total control and dependence on, on this slave system. But there's a lot of people who, who see what's coming. They want to do the best that they can to try and get some land or use a land that they do have to start a garden, get chickens, uh, whatever they can to make whatever food that they can just in case. Now, can you both give us some tips for some newbies starting out? Where's the best place to begin with uh, to not take on too much too fast? Because as Carissa said, it is a lot of work and you can't just have tons of, you know, animals right away and just dive into it. Um, so I guess, Carissa, how about we start with you? What do you think if someone is just starting out? What, what's some of the things that they can do? Well, I think I think homesteading can 
take many forms. I think, you know, having a sourdough starter, for instance, is kind of a form of homesteading, getting familiar with just your local foliage, what you can forage, what, what edible mushrooms do you have? What edible plants do you have? Like, you know, fruits that grow. I think that's, you know, a really great start. Um, just finding out what's, what's edible and, and what you can harvest in your own area. But I know for me, the big picture, and my husband has to constantly reel me in on this is that I, I see, you know, people that have these huge established homesteads. And I'm like, I want to be there and I want to do it all right now. And he has to constantly be like, well, no, those people got to that point over a period of time. So I, I think it's just tackling one thing. Like every year I try to focus on one thing that I want to add on. And like I said, this year, my kind of focus is bees. Next year, I would like to add maybe some dairy onto our property with maybe goats. Um, a dairy cow would come, I think, maybe a little bit later, maybe when my kids are a little bit older and can help a little bit. But I think just having real realistic expectations, too, for your surroundings. I mean, you can do a small little um, little greenhouse if you are in the city on a balcony. I did that when we lived in Chicago, just had a small little um, cheap little greenhouse that I had gotten. I grew a few little things, you know, doing herbs in the window cells. You can do microgreens, stuff like that. Um, but I, I think you can start off small um, and just get creative with what you might have. Uh, I know a lot of people are intimidated by sometimes the cost of things, because usually when you start with anything, the cost can be the most intimidating thing. But I mean, like when I wanted chickens, I found a kid's playhouse on Facebook Marketplace for like 30 bucks and made it into a chicken a chicken coop or, you know, using cedar fence posts for garden beds or cinder blocks. Um, there's, there's, there's a lot of options to get started, but I would just focus on one thing for that year and just tackle it one thing at a time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's good advice. Yeah. How about yeah, you? Uh, sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. How about you? <laughs> um, we, so it's funny cause we did the opposite thing. Like my, when my husband and I bought this property, we did the complete opposite. We were like, all right, let's get the garden in. Let's get the chickens. I think we got like 25 or 30 chickens to start. And then Whoa. the next year we, we added goats and then we added sheep and, you know, we, we did a lot all at once. And, um, yes, like you can do it that way. It's a little stressful and it has felt nice to kind of scale back. Um, I mean, my first recommendation would be to, um, start with just a vegetable garden and chickens because uh, with chickens, you know, you're, you're obviously you're getting the eggs. Um, you can use those, ch those chickens for meat if you want. As long as you have a rooster, you may get a broody hen um, each spring who will essentially, she starts wanting to sit on her eggs. Um, and of course, those that are fertilized. So that gets you right there some resiliency and independence from the system in that you, you may have a new batch of chicks each year or maybe more than once a year so that you won't necessarily be reliant on going to tractor supply and like buying chicks. Um, so I think chickens are an excellent way to start. And here on our homestead, we have a huge emphasis on um, how the garden works with the chickens. They, they're very much in sync and working with one another. Like our chickens create our garden beds. They renovate old garden beds. We have a mobile fence that's powered by a, a small solar charger. So it's, you know, we don't need to plug it into electricity. We can plug it in wherever we want to on our little plot of three and a half acres that we have here. Um, <clears throat> we will take that roll of fencing and place it around an area where we want to create a garden. And then we'll let the chickens just live in that area. You know, they have shelter, they have a place to lay eggs. They eat the weeds and the grass. We are, of course, supplementing their feed with some nice non-GMO feed, as long as we can buy that from the store, right? Um, and so we're getting the eggs each day, but then they're depositing manure 
in the garden area. And then we add straw and like in the autumn, we'll put fall leaves on that area. So we're kind of layering these things with the manure. And then um, you can then move the chickens off of that area to a new area. And then you have an instant beautiful garden that's gonna be um, rich in fertility. And with the mulch that you've added, like, I don't mean mulch. I always have to add this disclaimer. I'm not talking about the kind of expensive landscape mulch you buy at a landscaping store. I'm talking about old hay or um, straw, if you can get it for inexpensive, fall leaves, this sort of thing. So th that's like, that's that's my probably top recommendation is to get started with chickens and a vegetable garden and learning how to um, merge those two things so that you can kind of get some systems down. In my opinion, it's just an excellent, it's an excellent system because it's very low maintenance and um, the, the, the mulch and stuff that you're putting down over that chicken area, it keeps the weeds down. So I see so many people, they want to, they want to till up this huge patch and they get all excited and they want to have this big vegetable garden. But then as soon as like July comes or August, it's just the weeds have completely taken over and it's pretty overwhelming for almost anyone to deal with. So that's, that is how we do it. Now, if you're in an area that's just like terrible rocky clay, um, I don't have a whole lot of experience with that. So, you know, you can still use this method, but you might have to kind of alter it just a little bit. Like maybe you do a combination of tilling, chickens and mulching. You know, maybe you incorporate those three things. But yeah, it's great. It's a um, nice a symbiotic relationship. Exactly. That's what I would think yeah. too. A garden and chickens. Yeah, I have some friends that bought a cow and people don't realize how much a cow, one cow can eat. <laughs> it's like 30 pounds a day or something and you have to milk them what two times a day and it's a lot of it's a lot of milk, right? Like 3 to 4 gallons per milking or is it 3 to 4 gallons a day? Yeah, that they get per day. So one cow yeah. could easily take care of like 10 15 families. So I have uh, a couple friends here that are doing like a herd share for just their friends and family because one cow can provide so much. You don't think about that. Like, let's get a cow. But then you're out there milking all the time. The feed is expensive. <laughs> like, there's things that you learn as you go that you wouldn't know. I think people maybe have a romantic idea about some of those things. And then they realize how much work and, and also money and maintenance that it takes as well. <laughs> Now, are you both concerned about how, how far elites might take a lot of these uh, food shortages? I know you both listen to Ice Age Farmer as well. You know, and if you listen to him a lot, you think, oh, my God, it's going to happen next week. I got to get food. I got to start. You know, but or do you think that they're just going to keep up the, the bread and the circuses for a while? Because it is a risk for them to take away a man's uh, food supply and what may unfold from there. I, I am certainly concerned about it. Um, I think that either way it goes, it's going to be terrible because um, if you want to refer to it as, like you said, keeping up the bread and circuses or a slow bleed, essentially, um, that's going to be just as bad, I think, as uh, pulling a plug on everything at once, if you think about it, because we've already had so much with the with this COVID crap and traumatizing people and, you know, stripping a lot of good, hardworking people of their ability to provide for their families, telling them that they cannot live and cannot, you know, be free in these things. Um, so I think that people are already kind of mentally on on the verge of, you know, just have, feeling to where they're getting to a point where they've had enough. And then combined with the inflation, the gas prices going up, um, you know, supply chain issues, it's hard to say. I, I don't see it slowing down so far. I suppose I can't predict the future, but I can certainly just observe. And what I'm observing is that it's um, it's moving pretty quickly and I haven't seen any signs of it improving at all. 
So the trajectory is certainly, you know, not looking very good. Carissa, what do you think? That's kind of my opinion. Yep. Oh, I know. Yeah. Yeah. It's certainly, certainly scary to see what's going on. I think, I think they just kind of keep slowly testing to see or test the waters just to see how much they can get away with and for how long they can get away with it and how many people are going to, you know, fold with this and go along with it, who are going to fight back. And it's been a little disappointing, to be honest, to see collectively as a whole, um, not, not as many, not as much pushback as I would hope to see, but, um, you know, something else that I, that I kind of get concerned about with this too is, is if it's just another, through the shortages, just another way to, you know, tinker with our food more, put more poisons and toxins into them to find these new innovative ways to, you know, combat the shortages to come up with like kind of what they did with genetically modified foods to combat, uh, um, this mass production to end world hunger and everything. If it's just, they're going to come up with these new, new ways to do that stuff just to, to make our stuff even more toxic and making people sicker and, and everything. So it's, it is, it is really troubling, but I, I've been over time just kind of stocking up on a lot of staples just uh, for my own security. You're never, you're never going to not need it. I mean, you can just filter through it as you need it. And it, it doesn't hurt to have a security, a, an insurance policy or security blanket. Never does. Now, according to Facebook, though, if you're uh, prepping, if you're prepared, you're an extremist. They put a warning out for that. Do you have a friend who's canning too I much? That. <laughs> you might want to report them that. to the thought police immediately. Well, all, all of these things are making motherhood today more challenging than ever, I feel. I think because although we have the comforts and some of those are, are going to be taken away, we have to constantly deal with propaganda that's seeking to destroy our kids via all this uh, gender madness. We have critical race theory lies. We have mass immigration now we have this all this fat acceptance on top of the feminism and just basically all these forms of globo homo liberalism and it's constantly coming at us and our children from literally every angle it's like you can't isolate from it in the modern world so how do you both deal with this as mothers uh, you know raising kids in this trashy freakish kind of fat neoliberal anti-white culture that's constantly seeking to turn our kids into these mutant freaks so any tips on that L- larissa we'll start with you big one i know <laughs> well yeah that is a loaded question and in, in the sense that there's so many areas you can touch upon it but i mean homeschooling is definitely not negotiable at this point i mean even private schools are, are not safe um you know I, I think people should be doing whatever they can in their power to homeschool to i mean that's probably the biggest the biggest factor right there but just being mindful of what their kids are consuming uh, what they're watching what they're playing who they are associating with, because they they are very they, they do adapt to you know their surroundings and who they're with and and everything. And I I think too you know we were talking about this a little bit before um, you know we started that I, I think you know my daughter is four now and she's getting more curious and asking more questions and getting more intuitive and aware of her surroundings. And so it doesn't hurt to have these open and honest conversations with our children. Of course, there's an age appropriate time for certain conversations, but at some point, somebody is going to talk to them about it, and it might as well be you to, to introduce it. And you can, you know, just as they get older and more mature and have more of an understanding of things, have those those conversations. What do you think, Sarah? Any tips? Yeah, I, I completely agree. You know, once upon a time, years ago, I used to kind of say, 
oh, you know, your, your children pick up on anti-white stuff naturally and, and this sort of thing. But over the years, no, I've, I've changed my mind on that. Um, while they, they do pick up on some of it naturally, um, a lot of it does need explaining. And so, like Carissa said, being able to have, you know, honest conversations and being prepared to answer some questions about things and also inoculating your children with positive um, information and and stories, you know, from our folk, because I mean, we have like a huge well that we can draw upon. Obviously, I mean, our people are full of uh, heroes and you know, epic epic stories and um, you know, just civilization, <laughs> essentially, like everything great, you know. So just home homeschooling them and showing them all of that um, helps. I really feel like it helps kind of prepare them to um, to be able to identify and recognize, you know, the anti-whiteism that's, you know, just becoming just so in your face and so prevalent. Um, we also have to not be afraid to protect them and shelter them. And um, I know that like some some people say, oh, exposing your children is, is better because, um, you know, somehow that's going to like make them more prepared. And I just completely disagree with that. I think that we have to shelter them from this degeneracy as much as possible. Why would we want to allow that, you know, into their beautiful, pure, sweet little souls and minds, like um, not allowing your children to have free, you know, use of YouTube, for instance, is just something so simple and seems like why, you know, like I, I don't know any, but very many people that do, but a, a lot of parents are still doing that. You know, they're letting their kids just be on YouTube and be on the internet and watch whatever they want. And they're getting um, shown horrible things, you know, pornography and just all sorts of other like terrible brainwashing, like, you know, traumatic imagery, even in like music videos and stuff like that, that are, that are common nowadays. And, um, and even modern films and movies, like even Disney obviously like is total crap. And, um, and so many other sources, like, I know we've all, we've all said this many times, but Netflix and a lot of stuff coming out from Disney and, um, even like Amazon, the Amazon stuff, it's almost all just such garbage. And if it's not like intentionally subversive and degenerate, it's just like horribly uh, bleak and boring. Like the graphic art is so like basic and not creative. And it's almost like it's just designed to like um, hold their attention, but not without any, you know, substance. You know what I mean? Yep. Like you see that even, even with yep. the children's museum. Like I was telling you about the our experience at the Children's Museum. Yeah, you told me. I was like, let me guess. Lots of diversity posters first thing. You know, lots of that. Multiculturalism, blah, blah, blah. Bad whitey, bad colonialism. Like, And, and it, it's that's what it is. That's what it is everywhere. <laughs> yeah, but it's different because we're, yeah. as mothers, we're equipped so we know these things. So we can arm our children with the truth. And you're right. It, there's a, a period when it's too young to expose your kid to certain things so like if they people think oh you got to inoculate them expose them to it before someone else does first well it's about the child's psyche and development and, and where they're at a five-year-old shouldn't be seeing this like pedophile drag queen story hour stuff which we'll get into later because it's way beyond drag queen story hour now but i think that you have to call it out when you see it and you have to nip it in the bud uh, right there so that your kids know the score you you have to explain and we have the answers for them we have the full full all in encompassing explanation of why some of these things are happening, what it really is. And some women don't have that, right? At the same time, we can't be like a religious nut. You know, we have to be balanced about it. 
and, d- and talk about these things in a cool way. Uh, you can call out all this liberal bullshit in a way that kids do find funny because they because <laughs> there's so much to laugh at about it. You know, it's like it's the, the cult of crazy. And if you get kids to see it, I think it makes life so much easier for them and more more fun <laughs> in a good way that they, they, they're not going to get all the usual peer pressure crap and stuff. I see this. I see how it empowers them because I see all these kids who are homeschooled and just how on the level they are about stuff, how cool they are they're they're really centered and balanced like some of the healthiest kids you'll ever meet and that's one of the uh, approaches that i've seen you know parents take i don't know if you want to add anything I, to that i did i did actually want to add that i think it's really great that you brought in the element of keeping the humor with it because it if if we don't do that for our children then it's far too black pilling for them to handle you know oh, so yeah. i i love that i love that you mentioned that because it is <laughs> it is like really funny <laughs> Sometimes you just have to laugh because it is so insane. It's a powerful tool, you know, and the other side knows that. So, like, if, if you see, you know, the crazy purple-haired uh, tranny feminist or whatever, just conditioning of, like, laughing at that. Like, that is not normal. That is not something I'm ever going to take seriously. You know what I mean? It's just, like, just laugh it off. And then I think it just uh, unconsciously, uh, it, it goes in, well, very consciously, but, like, it sticks with them. I remember the good times I had with mom laughing at that, uh, you know, guy at the supermarket. <laughs> market wearing high heels who thought he was a girl or something you know and it's amazing some of the things that kids already see they're because they're so close to their natural raw healthy state that they call out a lot of these weird things when they see it that's what i've noticed anyway the kid things just fly out of kids mouths and it's like yeah you're you're right you know that's weird or it shouldn't be that way (laughs) carissa it's so true yeah Yeah, i know (laughs) carissa anything you wanted to add to that no, I, I do think humor is a great thing to implement as well. My husband's really good at doing that. Um, I I do think too, just it is a good a good tool when, of course, when they're a little bit older to show them too, you know, what we fight for, why we do this so that they can kind of see what the alternative is too. I mean, more so the humor definitely is a, a better approach, but also that just that realism of, you know, looking at this this kind of abyss of degeneracy is kind of the alternative. So um, if we don't fight and we don't carry on a legacy and speak out against this. That's right. Well, I want to talk about being a dissident mother. Now, I know I told you both earlier that, you know, I, I think dissident today. What is it? Our views are normal and, and healthy, but according to this like psychotic system right now, we're like the scary dissident moms. You know, we women like us get attacked for literally everything we do and how we do it. It's all white supremacist and racist. You want chickens? Uh, you want happy kids? You're a racist. You want to live somewhere clean and safe and be alone? You're a racist. There isn't anything that hasn't been attacked, uh, even the way that we housewife. I always like to bring up the goodie from New York Slimes piece a long time ago called the the Housewives of White Supremacy. It was a hilarious article. And the beginning starts out talking about this show and was attacking uh, my guest who considered herself a traditional wife. She had Norwegian roots, right? Lives in the Dakotas. And she said that she wanted kids that looked like her. And they were talking about this was just the disgusting white supremacy. And they complained about you know, some of our other friends that we know, mutual friends who are YouTubers who were at the time, who were, you know, pretty and soft-spoken. And uh, they talked about having lots of children and like the horror of this right and since then all of these women have been banned because well let's face it because they're white they don't talk about this with anyone else um but 
Let's get into this truth about trad wives, okay? Because I I did a video on this as well, and I I always say traditional according to what, you know, what era, uh, what social class is a woman in? Does she live in the city? Is she in the country? There's different ways to be a traditional woman, which uh, I don't obsess about. Like some people used to have a rule book for these things, you know. At the end of the day, I think you have to do what's best for your family, uh, however that may look. So I wanted to get your opinion on being a traditional woman. Sarah, let's start with you. Yeah, it's there's so much to say there. I mean, it's uh, well, the, first and foremost, obviously, our enemies attack the the housewives, the trad wives and whatnot so hard because um, they know how powerful it can be when women are speaking out about things because it attracts other women. And, you know, when women get in groups like they can they can accomplish great things. Right. And so that's obviously why they they attack us so bad. And I know you've you've been on the you've received the 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 most of that over the years. It's just unbelievable what they've done to you and other other moms. But um, yeah, I agree. I mean, I feel like our people and this movement and I mean, I know like I kind of hate to say this movement because it's it's such a a diverse thing and there's a lot of different like factions. But essentially, when I say that, I'm talking about just our folk who are waking up to our identity, you know, as Europeans, as white people and um, shedding, you know, the white guilt, essentially, that we've all been like plagued with our entire lives. So that's what I mean when I say this movement, this movement of people awakening um, is is a very mixed group of people. Like we have a lot of different types of people in this. I have met so many people over the years and a lot of us, you know, we, we have just like different personalities, different talents, different lifestyles. Like you were saying, some people are living in urban areas. Some people are super into homesteading. You know, other people are really into computer programming. Like we need all kinds. We need lawyers. We need people who know how to build websites. We need people who are creating payment platforms and social media platforms and creating something else, you know, for us. And so along with that is, you know, again, I'm kind of repeating myself, but it just comes like, well, I guess we have true diversity in our movement. <laughs> That's right, we do. Folk, as far as our folk go. And, you know, some of some of my Tradway friends are like super into um, the nostalgia of the 1950s. And I can totally appreciate like a lot of that. You know, I, I like some of the dress styles. Like, I, I think it's super sweet, like that that's kind of where they're finding their identity. Um, you know, other women are maybe a little bit louder and outspoken and are producing videos or content. Other women are quietly writing blogs. Other women are not doing anything online at all. And they're just in their local communities and just being at home, raising their children. And then some of us are kind of doing a little bit of all of that. And um, so I think, you know, there, there's certainly no like cookie cutter, one size fits all for like quote unquote trad wife. (laughs) But what, what we really support is just, um, well, what we promote is supporting each other, you know, as women who are awakening and in the process of awakening out of this, you know, crap. <laughs> Very well said. And so, we need, and we need yeah. our sisterhood. You know, I'm surrounded by tons of women right yeah. now. And it's awesome that you can have that to talk to. And I feel like a lot of white women in particular haven't had that for a long time. So it feels really powerful when you can be around women that feel like your sisters, that you understand, you can talk about anything. Like, it's so important to have that. You know, absolutely. Carissa, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think, you know, nationalism and the nuclear family start at home. And that's what the women, the women are the foundations of the home. And, you know, it does like kind of like what Sarah said, it doesn't matter to me what what 
you know, period in history you you kind of relate to if it's, you know, the Valkyrie era, if it's the 1950s, it's whatever. It's, it doesn't matter. I don't care if you channel, you know, Lily Munster or June Cleaver. It's whatever, whatever works for you. I mean, we do need to be all over the place and in different areas and, and just putting the stuff out there to inspire and uplift other women. And also just going back to, you know, what we were just talking about earlier. I mean, being at home and with nationalism, being at, at home and on the forefront, that is what is going to carry that, that torch for the future. Absolutely. Well said. I also wanted to talk about balancing. It's a balancing act between uh, motherhood and uh, the political social issues. I know you're both uh, podcasting and all this. It's It can be tough. You know, you're doing your mom, your homesteading, and there's all these duties that come with it. It's a balancing act. And uh, some women handle the stress of it better than others. But uh, I wanted to get your take on how you both do it. Carissa, let's start with you. Um, I, I mean, it can be hard sometimes. I mean, Sarah and I talk about this all the time, you know, some days you just kind of want to shut down and be like, man, is this, is this kind of worth it? And then it's like, well, no, then, then the enemy would win. And, and it, 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 it goes back to that, you know, our family is most important. Like last year, we didn't put out a ton of content. I had had a baby that year. We both just had a lot going on in our lives. And it just, for that period and season of life for us, you know, our family was more important. And we, you know, this year we kind of revamped Hearth and Helm and got back on the horse and, I think there's just going to be seasons of life with us just as mothers that that's going to happen where we are going to have to take these breaks and come back. But for me, when I do feel that, that um, kind of black cloud, I kind of have to just log off for a little bit, go outside, focus on my kids, watch my chickens and just, um, you know, disconnect for a little bit and just focus on what really matters and kind of reclaim and reground myself as to what I really am fighting for. What are, what are we doing with this and everything just to, get myself back to that baseline and then, you know, come back and make, okay, I'm ready. I'm, I'm ready to get back on. In the same way. And, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's important to just have that, that balance. Cause it, it, it can't be, you know, you can't be in it all the time. Cause you will, you will just drive yourself crazy. You have to yeah. disconnect. I, mean, I see it happen even with that. men, although men are built to be in that all the time. They can be in those environments, you know, <clears throat> it always amazes me like with Henrik, he could probably stream every single day and be into these topics hours a day, you know, because they're they're built for it. But also not all men, because I've seen some men also break down and lose their minds and all this stuff. But yeah, it's it's about taking a break when you know it's become too much and just step off and then you get inspired again to, you know, get back on the horse, like you said. Absolutely. Sarah, what about you? Yeah, I would say that um, it's uh, for me, it's just like making a, a list. I'm very much a list maker. Me too. And so I will make a list of the priorities for the day and for the week. And, um, you know, obviously you have to make sure that your priorities are in order. And so, um, you know, tending to like family time and homeschooling and household and homesteading type stuff um, comes first. And then when there's, spare time, which is not often, <laughs> um, then you can use it for something else. And um, like and laying so around and doing things. nothing, <laughs> like oh, take right. a break to just oh, lay, just lay nice. down. Right. When does that, that happen? Nice. Right? <laughs> no, I don't know that actually. I need to try that. <laughs> I'm like you too. I have lists and I'm constantly rewriting them and reprioritizing them. And I was like, wait, yeah. I don't think this list ever going to happen of like big stuff. And it, it changes, you know what I mean? It's constantly changing. But that's the other yeah. thing about doing things with and I know you ladies cover this.
this. You had a guest on and you were talking about doing things with intention, doing things with focus, right? You have to prioritize certain things and let some other things slide. And as a mom, sometimes you have to let go of some of those, uh, uh, you know, some of us can have little OCD tendencies, little things that can irritate us or whatever. And Sarah, I think you're like me that way about certain things. Okay, let that go. Here's the big things. Prioritize that. And also, for me, I noticed it's about uh, slowing down because sometimes we can just uh, women can get uh, frazzled and we take on too much and we're we're worrying about too much and then we're just not happy. <laughs> what do you think about that, sir? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I can relate to that uh, more than I'd like to admit. Uh, definitely, kind of the OCD thing, and then a terrible habit that I've kind of developed since the 2019 stuff is like um, insomnia and just like working on projects far too late into the night, researching things far too late into the night. So I think it's really important, like you said, with that sisterhood, it's it's nice, like you said, like having other women in your life to kind of remind you like, okay, you know, it's you need to take some time to be more intentional, slow down a little bit, like, you know, make sure to get your sleep, get your rest. Those are probably things that I, I should be working on, you know. Going more. to bed but earlier. Yeah, I can relate I'm, to I'm with that. you on I that can... one too. Going to bed yeah. earlier. Everyone's always like, you should sleep when the baby sleeps, for instance. And I, that was always hard. Like, oh, I got to do all these things when the baby's asleep or napping or whatever. Yeah. And now it's like, okay, yeah. baby's going to sleep. Let's say, I don't know. I say baby, but kids like, oh, they got to sleep 9, 30, 10. You should be going to sleep then if you want the proper amount of sleep. But it just doesn't work that way because sometimes you're like, okay, I want a couple hours to myself now. And then next thing you know, I'm like, you're, you're oh, it's uh, 1 or 2 a.m., you know? <laughs> Yeah, constantly dealing it's, with that. It's wild. It is wild. But but I do think, like you said, it has something to do with motherhood because when you have babies, and especially like when you're breastfeeding, you know, as any mother knows, you are you get used to having very odd sleeping hours for sure, <laughs> being up through the night and that sort of thing. So yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I I definitely try to be mindful of my my slowdown culture because I, I I have a tendency. It's always like I guess because you're just in mom mode, you'll be like, okay, I'm doing this. While uh, I, I'm doing dishes, oh, I should have a load of laundry going. And by the time that's done, I can hang up my clothes outside and, you know, all of this. And I, I actually was thinking about this the other day. I did a little post on Hearth and Helm about it that I've gone back to, to kneading bread by hand instead of putting it in my mixer because it just took me, it, it, it brought me back to just appreciate the art of kneading dough. And while I was doing that, I saw my children just really, really Aww. lovely playing together and just taking in that moment where I would have probably missed that had I put the bread in the mixer and just moved on to something else and just got flooded back to a lot of memories, just watching them play and just this intent of making this bread and that a machine never could have done that for me had I put the dough in the, in the machine and it, it mixed and just that slowdown of just taking in all these like really precious moments that sometimes we miss just because we have some, we're always going so many different directions as mothers. And I think it's important to, to do that. I mean, sometimes we, we have to kind of put something on the back burner in order to just appreciate and savor those moments because they're only little once and I want to take that in and I've just really tried to work on my slow down type uh culture, I guess. Yeah, that's a really important, especially today with, you know, social media and kids are in this, they're having this TikTok brain syndrome and those things can catch up to you. I even got the blue light glasses, right, to put on at night. So you have the the amber screen. So you start dumping melatonin. It's it's hard. And this day and age, everything, it feels like it moves so fast, but so slow at the same time. I, I feel like lately it, it's a really bizarre thing. But yeah, like you were saying with, with the, the bread, sometimes you need something to really focus, focus in 
on just to slow you down to kind of just get yourself to relax. <laughs> I noticed that, right? Just just to focus on one thing at a time instead of like with women, we have tendency to, and I think it's amplified with technology, multitasking. Like I'm the queen of multitasking and a million different things and lists and things to do. And then sometimes I can just spin myself <laughs> crazy. Okay, slow down. Do do something that's just, just go outside and do nothing or just sit there and do nothing or just maybe you need to meditate for a second or just go take a walk and try to not think about anything. I find like that's that's harder in this day and age don't you think to just not really focus on anything oh sorry you're shaking your head you know what i'm talking oh about. it is i can relate to this so much actually like today today i finally was just like i i need to go walk around the farm like there's spring wildflowers coming up and i walked back to the creek just for like 10 minutes and like put my feet in the water it was freezing cold and i was like oh my gosh i haven't done this in so long and yeah, it's, it's so important, like you said, just to kind of go out to the woods, get grounded, you know, be in touch with nature. I mean, obviously, I am out in the garden working and stuff, but yeah, setting aside the tasks and kind of doing nothing is super important, too. And actually, I'm grateful for Carissa in my life because I feel like you, you are always inspiring me to kind of take those moments to be more intentional, you know, so I really appreciate Aww. that. <laughs> yeah, it's super sweet. I love that story you told about your sourdough. all right so now i want to transition and talk about pedophiles yes pedophiles or groomers whichever you choose i like to use both they're pedophiles and they're groomers i know you've both been seeing all this lgbtqp total hysteria and now it's emboldened these pedophiles to go after kids in all these unthinkable ways and the establishment is just glossing it over in fact there was this recent judge that was nominated right the the black lady and uh, in every in each and every pedophile case that she had i think there was uh, like eight cases uh, she went light on the pedophiles, and this even included baby sex torture. I couldn't believe that when I heard that. And this is the lady who's on the Supreme Court, and all we're hearing about is, oh, diversity, and it's so amazing, and oh, but she's black, and all this. Going light on pedophiles, like this is the system that we're in right now. And we've seen a big rise in pedophile teachers getting caught. We've been covering this, the Disney workers being caught, uh, TV, a movie grooming content, and stuff that's just totally inappropriate, right? The young kids shouldn't be exposed to. We see this sex ed that's really just brainwashing by groomers who basically want to be able to have sex with toddlers. And I, I feel like sex ed anymore is just gay. <laughs> That's all it is. It's just like gay stuff all the time. But yeah, it's really that horrific where things are at. And I know, Sarah, before uh, you had sent me a message about this this recording we showed of a video of a, a teacher in drag giving a little dance to his, his students just because, you know. I think we have it so we can play that. But what do you all think about this? What's What's their... I mean, just this whole push all of a sudden, this ramp up. Sarah, we'll get your thoughts first. Oh, man. Well, I'm, I'm a little behind on the news cycle. So I had heard about this black uh, Supreme Court justice appointee. Is that what it is? Yeah. Um, she's she's in yeah. now. She's and, on the Supreme Court. She's a okay, judge now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. No, I, I didn't. I mean, it's, I'm not surprised at all. And I'm just absolutely like speechless. These are the types of things that um, I feel like as mothers and as women, it's almost unbearable to think about or hear about. Um, but it's also the world that we're living in. And so, you know, we have to, we have to be honest about the fact that that's going on as hard as it is to think about that stuff. 
Um, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't even know where to begin. Like, it's so horrible. It's so, it's so Weimar, right? Like it's, it's Weimar tier. We're to that point. We're to that level where the worst of the worst is being normalized. And I mean, what has happened to our society? I mean, in, in this modern day, um, men, men who once were the protectors and leaders of their clans and their tribes have been completely suppressed and oppressed and they're they're in so many ways helpless like there's nothing that you know that they could do that they they would have taken care of things in a in a way that made you know sense back in times of old there were different systems for dealing with criminals you know than there are now you can think and of one big see, way yes yes <laughs> yeah now now we see you know this criminal justice system that essentially just is it's it's horrible i mean i don't I, i'm just like at a loss at a loss to be honest i i don't know I, i'm just glad that like we can homeschool our children and and protect them from this crap i mean i don't understand how people can be so blind to it like pedophiles i i will i refuse to call i'm going to refuse to call pedophiles groomers but i will say that pedophiles do engage in grooming for sure of course and yeah. and so and so does the lgbtq community and i i don't even like to use those letters i mean they're homosexuals and they're people who have uh, mental illnesses and it is absolutely a fact that's been proven time and time again that they do prey on children like this is not some made-up thing it's it's a it's been known for a long time this is only in this very recent years that they've been trying to say that it's not i mean we we see we see videos of children at pride festivals with you know the most degenerate horrific stuff going on that you could possibly imagine showing to children and then you have parents who are taking their children to see these things i mean this this is not about um homosexuals having equal rights this is absolutely about grooming children and um converting children too and 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 wanting them to question their own, you know, gender identity, wanting to instill with them, um, you know, what is it, gender uh, dysmorphia or dis, dis, where they're confused about their gender? That's a phenomenon that's that was never a problem. Like when I was in school, that was not a problem. Um, you know, it wasn't going on. Nobody, no. nobody was gay. Nobody was homosexual. No, and now there's all this sex ed. We we cover it all the time, every week. There's all these cases now, sex ed. It's always about, like, teaching five-year-olds about anal sex or blowjobs. Now, like, that is what has become. And I don't know how you can misconstrue that, how you can explain that away. But this is this is this is pedophiles and this is grooming kids to think that this kind of behavior is normal to engage in these things with this with these freaks you know uh carissa what are your thoughts yeah it starts at such a young age too like i when i go just to different retail stores from such a young age you're seeing rainbows on everything for kids and i think a lot of it is to start normalizing that symbol it means something totally different from when all of us were growing up it was there's, there's a whole monopoly on it, and I, I 100% think it's just for kids to, to normalize that, and it seems more appealing to them when they do get into more of the subverse and degenerate things. And it is just, it, it's really sickening, and it just shows that what happens, how far it goes when people don't take a stand for it. I mean, it, we've gone so far beyond well, what, what people do in their own bedroom, what two consenting adults yeah, do, none of my exactly. business. No, that never should have, people should have been like, no, that, that it, it, it's disgusting, because it's, they are going after our children. And I hate to say it, but a lot of people innocently uh, promoted in their own way. Um, people share way too much of their children on the internet, on social media. They think that 
just because their stuff is private that it still doesn't get out there. Like when you tag your stuff at you tag your, your, you know, children at places that all is public on that. If you're at a park, for instance, that becomes like public to the park and it's on the internet. And I, I mean, I have like family members that'll like post videos of their kids, like in their underwear dancing and they think it's cute and everything. I'm like, no, that's disgusting. Like, why are you putting that on the internet? Why, I would be absolutely mortified and, and sickened if I, you know, 10 years from now I was that kid and saw that my parents put that on there thinking it was cute. Like that's something that stays just, you know, like that you just have like, oh, this was funny that you did when you were younger. But it's, it's amazing what they're putting out there that are feeding into that. And they don't really realize that they're feeding into it. Yeah, it's a different day and age. So and these people are emboldened. Exactly. It's a slippery slope. We used to think that too. just just leave them alone. It's fine. You want to be gay in the privacy of your own home and all that. And just, okay, sure, you want to be treated equal. And now it's just teaching uh, four year olds about uh, blowjobs with uh, 40 year old men in uh, gay sex. I mean, that's literally what it is. I was just covering too. um, Weekend Warrior. There's this family sex show, this new sex ed theater show that's uh, coming out in the UK and they're trying to get kids to come watch it and the whole family can come learn about uh, porn and uh, self-pleasuring and uh, see these naked people naked grown-ups on stage talking about their body parts and then of course they interweave all the global homo talking points into it like all every degenerate thing you can think of and they recommend uh, well any age is welcome but starting at five because at five years old you need to expose your kids to like all this really inappropriate stuff and again most of them are gay. And a lot of times if they're not gay, then you have to question, okay, is is this a pedophile? Because any normal, rational adult would not want to talk to these things about these, as Sarah, you said, these pure, innocent, sweet little souls. Like, why do they even need to learn about these things? Why are you trying to put it into their consciousness? Like, just ramming that into their heads right away. Obviously, there's an agenda. And it is, it is grooming kids, getting them to think that this is normal. So then when some old, gross person approaches you for some of these sick, disgusting things. It's, oh, it's normal. I went to the family sex show. They talked about this. It's okay, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's it's just unbelievable. I mean, the, it's it's always like this. They do it right in front of your face. But then when you when you say when you point at it, and you're like, No, I, I'm not okay with this. Then they say that like, Oh, you're crazy. You're imagining things like that. We're not doing that. And it's like, No, you definitely are like you, you just did that. And I saw it with my own eyes. And you know, our experiences don't count what we see doesn't count to you know, these people. I, I remember, so nearby where I live, which is well known, which is uh, near Bloomington, Indiana, there's the Kinsey Institute, which I think that oh, you yeah. and Henrik maybe have covered in a couple yes, past episodes, I have recently. Just super crazy, horrible, horrible stuff that went on there. And, um, and in that town, they had for Pride Festival uh, a couple years ago, I was kind of looking through to see what the activities that they were doing that week were to like just, you know, dissect it and kind of see what what are they doing over there. And there was a class that was being held at the public library for Pride Festival on um, it, consent. And the class was a hands-on class for um, children and caregivers on consent. And I mean, this is at the public library, 
you know. And then, um, like Carissa was saying, with the children's clothing and this sort of thing, it's it's obvious that they prey on children too with like this happy, like it's just sparkly love. unicorns. Like, because children, children yeah. are so loving. They are so like they want to give everybody a hug, you know. And that's another thing, like you have to kind of teach your children, like you don't just go sit up on a stranger's lap or hug a stranger. Unfortunately, like we don't live in you know, tight knit, you know, close communities anymore for the most part where you can let your children do those sorts of things. But they totally prey on the children with like hearts and like, oh, love is love, love is love and rainbows and unicorns. And these are all things that are like fun for kids and sparkly and seemingly innocent. And that's, and that's where it starts. You know, that is exactly where it starts. And, and, um, the, the thing is, is that we as, um, as traditional, normal, (laughs) normal people, we don't have any rights anymore. So once upon a time, you know, they started pushing this crap because it was like, oh, well, they they wanted rights. And so it's like a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. Well, now it's to the point where they have all the rights and we have no rights. So if my children are at a Little League baseball game and there is a lesbian couple groping each other and making out in the bleachers, which by the way, no straight parents ever do that at Little League. Like this is only the type of thing that um, homosexuals would do because they're always attention seeking and they want to be the center of attention. Do I as a parent have any right to prevent the f- the five-year-olds on the team from, you know, witnessing this? Yeah, what about Can your five-year-old consent? Okay, did, did you get consent from the kids uh, to, to right. watch this? Right. Sorry, go on, right. Carissa. And, and also, like, do the coaches and the people who operate the baseball team know they have no rights? Like, could you imagine the, um, the lawsuits that would ensue if they were to say a single word to people who are doing this sort of thing? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, businesses absolutely can't. Um, they, like they have to do business with, they have to bake the cake, right? Like it's a meme. We have, they have to, you have to bake the cake and you know, you're going to like it basically. So we're the ones with no rights and you know, it's like this in so many different areas, but it's certainly like this. They're like literally They're. I mean, not to get graphic, but they're literally like shoving dicks in your face and they're like, you're not homophobic, are you? It's like, you're just annoying and disgusting and inappropriate. And I just don't want to look at you. <laughs> and I certainly don't want my kids to be looking at you. Anyway, Carissa, I saw you wanted to add something there. No, it, it is. It's just, it, I mean, they just subtly add in these things too. It's, it's, it's unreal. Like even just, you know, children's books, you have to be m- mindful of too. Just there, there'll be a lot of subtle things in there that and when you bring it to people's attention, they kind of will say, Oh, you're just being paranoid or no, it's just, it's just a rainbow. It's just like, you know, like Sarah was saying, it's just this or that. And it's like, no, there, there's a, there's more of an agenda behind that. I mean, they start by normalizing these things and, and whatnot. And it's just, I don't understand where there's this point at, well, I do understand. I mean, obviously it's more of a rhetorical thing, but when you have like Wells Fargo backing you and Amazon Oreo and all these cookies. major corporations, yeah. Yeah, when they're like changing their logos to rainbows and everything, like no, <laughs> I mean it's you're not oppressed. It's, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and one thing. Sorry, go on. What one thing that I think that has happened too with all of this symbolism, because we know how powerful symbolism is, right? And um, what I think has happened to a lot of like of of adults who maybe aren't politically aligned on the far left or the left necessarily, but it's like they have forgotten what homosexuality actually is. It's like they literally don't even process through their mind that we're talking about like sodomy. Like this is sodomy, this is AIDS, this is a hookup culture. Um, Anybody who has spent any amount of time with people who identify in that way and who behave that way can tell you with a half a second 
the truth about it. It's, um, mm -hmm. it's, it's often drug. Oh my God, the drugs, the AIDS, like the disease, the STDs, the hookup culture, like it, it's, you know, and then, and then of course there was this whole, um, the, the gay marriage thing. I mean, this, I don't know how, if somebody could access the statistics, but I remember a long time ago reading about this and the divorces, like the divorce rate. I mean, how many, like how many times you've, have you heard about like a homosexual couple, like in your town or your community, they're always getting divorced. Like the relationships do not last. It's, it's an absolute like disgrace to the sanctity of marriage. It's, it's just ridiculous. And, um, and then of course they're adopting children, which should not be allowed. That should absolutely be outlawed. Um, it's just, it's just beyond like this, the situation is, is beyond. And then you see like drag Queens doing these presentations for school children in public schools. Every single parent should be at that school right now, withdrawing their child and homeschooling them. Just take them out. Don't like, don't even bother, you know, protesting or writing letters. Just take them out of school. That's right. And, Dra and drag queen culture is is stripper culture. You're right. It's drugs. It's all these inappropriate things where kids don't belong. It's they don't belong in this environment or exposed to these people. It's this degenerate uh, night uh, CD culture. You know, yeah, it's this. Yeah. And the pride festivals generally have always been just like really raunchy and disgusting and in your face, not appropriate for kids. And a lot of these young kids that do get exposed to that, they get convinced. They're trying to convince kids that they're trans. Like you see that it happened. You can convince little kids of anything when they're three, oh, yeah. four, five years old. But they're, oh, are you sure you're not gay? Are you sure you're not trans? Are you sure you're not a boy or not? It's like they keep trying to do this, right? And then what happens? You're, you're, we're looking at Desmond is amazing here. It will turn into this. And I'll be surprised if this boy lives to be 14. He already looks like he's on drugs and he's like doing the whole like uh, pride, trans, who knows what thing. And so I just keep thinking, what what is their end game? And I feel that their end game is destroy the family units, destroy the ability for people to procreate. Right. Um, starting with white countries, of course, it's the transhuman agenda. It's destroying what makes us men and women. And also it's a, a war on procreation, a war on the family unit. That's the thing that makes us the, the healthiest and, and the strongest. <laughs> it's part of the depopulation agenda. Uh, what, what do you think about that? I, I think that you're right. And another, another thing I wanted to add really quickly about it is that you see this a lot with like white children and let's take a look at what's happened to white children over the past, you know, several decades, like slowly but surely and more recently, very quickly, they have been completely broken down. I mean, starting in kindergarten, they are subjected to this anti-white curricula that is just blasting like Anne Frank and Martin Luther King in their faces every year, year after year to make sure that like they will always remember you know, how horrible their ancestors were. And on top of that, they're told that they have no culture, um, that their people are, you know, have always just been essentially genocidal maniacs. All of these lies, these absolute lies, this is subversion. It is intentional. It is, it is, it's psychologically traumatizing. And so you see a lot of these children, they're coming into, you know, little, like higher grades in school. And then they're coming out and saying, oh, well, I'm, you know, um, trans or like I have this like weird gender identity or I'm queer. Well, it's because they're told that those are the good kids, that those are the special That's kids right. and that they're interesting and that they get put on a pedestal. And so, of course, when you have children who've been subjected to all of this deracination and completely stripped down of all of their identity and any sense of natural pride that should naturally exist, then a lot of them as being the young children that they are not knowing any better, will start to adopt these identities. But then 
our enemies want to tell us that it's always been this way, that this large population of, of children has always been trans. It's just that now they're free to, you know, kids are like, it's, it's safer for them to like come out now. And it's like, no, I call absolute BS. Like we all know that that is a lie and it's absolute evil. It's just, it's, so it is, sad. It is. They're, so they're, sad. They, they want to destroy them. They want to completely break them down. And I think what they want here is that the children are the next generation, you know, and why people, yeah, we've been hit hardest with this Frankfurt schoolie and Weimar propaganda because we stand in the way ultimately of, of total domination. I think if they can completely break these kids down and, and mold them, that's what they want for this great reset. And then they think that they can have it in the bag, right? You know, Agenda 2030, they want us in the city gulag pods eating the bugs hooked up to to this uh, you know vr and i think really having no genitals <laughs> having no genitals so that you can't procreate you just have no no sex whatsoever no biological sex and no actual healthy sex and also just no mind to think with anymore i mean i just don't know where where else where else is this going that's what i feel it's just total death now carissa did you want to add something no, it, it just it needs to go back to being considered a mental illness. I mean, because that's exactly what it is. And they've removed that from the textbooks, as we know. But it, it's also just sad that they they kind of, you know, pry on these just moments that throughout childhood, you know, like I, there was something I saw, it was just a stupid meme that said something like, shout out to my mom for not putting me on hormone blockers when I went through a tomboy <laughs> phase or something. And it's true. Like, I, I mean, I went through a little tomboy phase, but like nowhere was my mom ever like, oh, do you think, do you think, you know, do you identify as a male or anything like yeah. that? It was just like, well, no, I was, I was in the sports and just, you know, eventually you get a little bit more feminine and everything as time goes on. But it's just, it is, it's, it's insane that they, they kind of capitalize on just these, these, you know, things that you go through as you're an adolescent and growing up and, and just finding yourself and everything. But it's just immediately like, oh, okay, well, this is our, this is our time to, to, to swoop in there and just, you know, totally derail destroy everything. their body and mind the other thing that really gets me too is that yeah like you said little kids a adolescent stuff they explore they're going to explore different parts of their body and they might even touch them and look at them it doesn't mean that they're sexual like this is what it's yeah. become for these pedophile groom oh see they're thinking about sex because uh, he touched his peepee -pee and he's a toddler it's just like this is crazy talk it used to be things that are just innocent and natural and normal things that humans go through that they're just trying to make everything sexual with kids now and it's disgusting we have to put our foot down and shame these people so yeah call them pedophiles call them groomers like this is this is a serious thing i mean i it's it, it's it's a nightmare and everyone should be concerned it amazes me that there's these liberal moms who are like oh relax calm down like this is one of the biggest things you should be concerned about as a mother it's just outrageous anything you ladies want to add well, yeah, I <clears throat> I remember years ago actually listening to a Red Ice interview that you guys had. You had this person on who <clears throat> it was a a transgender person, and you know this this person was talking about how like they uh, or I don't know if they were transgender. I'm sorry, maybe they were they were like homosexual, but they were talking out about it. They were talking about how the origins of a lot of this is in pedophilia that children who have been abused end up adopting this identity later. And also the suicide rates were, were discussed during this episode. And that's something that is completely suppressed is the actual like scientific data there. You know, if there are studies out there, we're not allowed to see them, but we know that it's true. The suicide rates are high among these people. There's remorse and regret. And, and just the fact that 
it's even allowed to put children on hormone blockers is almost like beyond it's almost like beyond my ability like beyond my ability to conceive like to conceive the <laughs> of the concept it's, i just like it's medical malpractice imagine. and child abuse i was just looking into that the other day of of all the harm that these puberty blockers cause to kids physically i'm sure you can imagine from bone density to cardio problems to brain problems to iq problems not to mention emotional and social problems so we don't know what the long-term effects of this are they're on these puberty blockers and then afterwards they go on to all these other hormones so they're basically slaves to big pharma forever and like i'm liberated i found myself but i can't be myself without these drugs for the rest of my life and uh and that life will probably be really short too taking all these drugs it's outrageous so I know these things are really blackpilling. One of the last things <laughs> to talk about is on the importance of not getting blackpilled and uh, staying positive no matter what it looks like, no matter how hard it is some days. Because a lot of times people say, well, why are, why are you bringing attention to these things? We have to know how bad it is. We have to know the things that are going on to be equipped to be able to fight back. Because eventually you might not want to fight back or speak out against these things or be concerned about it. But it will find its way to your doorstep, your, your kids' minds. <laughs> Your, the school, the place that you work, like it's unavoidable. So we have to tackle these things. We have to know what's going on. But I say not to be blackpilled because so many people are coming awake to these things. They're putting their foot down. I think that there's a lot of good, healthy, normal people still. We're just getting hit with a lot of the mainstream conditioning in certain circles and media. So we think that it's like a lot more people are into these things than, than it really is. They're, they're trying to hoodwink us to believe that this is the norm when it really isn't the norm. Uh, Carissa, what are your thoughts on not being blackpilled? Oh, well, yeah, they definitely, I mean, they want you to be black pill. They want you to feel alone and isolated in these thoughts. And that's why it is important to, to have these conversations with people because uh, people are waking up. You can find something with people that they will agree on, have it be, you know, the mandates or the mask mandates or vaccines or something that's, you know, kind of just hits, you know, a little bit of the tip of the iceberg. You know, you can, you can start talking about that with people to, to, you know, open those doors a little bit, because like you said, eventually it will, you know, I, I tell people that all the time that eventually this might not be something that's, that's important to you, but eventually it will come down to something that is really important to you. And I have seen that happen time and time again with people. So I think it's, it's just important to not, to not let it get to you. And like we were talking about earlier, just when you do feel that to kind of take that reset time to, you know, just get back to your baseline and to just recharge and then get back on the horse and, and keep going. I mean, cause it's, you don't want them to win because, um, like I said, that that's their main goal is for you to feel isolated and alone and that nobody else thinks the way that we do when that's not the case. So a lot more people think the way that, that we do than you than you might think. Sarah, anything? Yeah. Um, I mean, for me, I feel very fortunate that I have children and, you know, an awesome husband who, I mean, we've been together 17 years. We are best friends. We've been through so much together. I, that's what keeps me from not getting too blackpilled is my family. And, you know, also, again, you know, I feel blessed to live in a place where it's, you know, nature all around me. So I can go outside, I can be in the sunshine, I can hear the birds singing. Anytime that we're connecting with nature, that is so healing, it's so therapeutic, and it's so important. It's, um, it's as important as eating a healthy diet, and getting exercise, you know, just being outside. Um, 
is great. Also, a connection with with our ancestors. I mean, Carissa and I are both pagan. I know I'm pretty sure that you are as well, yes. if I'm not mistaken. And so we have a strong um, emphasis on ancestor veneration. And so for me, sometimes just giving a little offering, you know, just pouring a glass of wine, you know, for my ancestors, it can help me feel connected with them or placing something on the altar, like um, food that I've cooked and just kind of say a little prayer. Um, connect with them and and feel that you know your blood is is the same blood of your ancestors and that our people have survived forever and we're going to win but you know um there's going to be losses and wins along the way and it's not always going to be winning um like they say hard times make strong men um we will get through this the the harder that our enemies push the more our people wake up and the quicker our people wake up and they are awakening. I have encountered, you know, quote unquote normies more recently, more so ever, more so than ever recently, excuse me, um, who are, you know, talking about the things that we need to be talking about. So yeah, like you can, you can, uh, you can take the black pills, but, um, don't just don't get too black pilled. There's really no reason to because there's going to be things in life that are beyond our control. Um, you know, maybe maybe getting active is a solution. You know, becoming an activist, also having a network of friends, not just on the internet but IRL. There's so much going on right now in our movement. There are so many opportunities for meeting other people and forming networks and communities, getting together for picnics and being able to talk to people face to face about what's going on is so important. And um, so I guess that would that would be my advice. You know, Absolutely. Yeah. Camaraderie. You need people around you because I notice a lot of the most black pilled people I know are also some of the most isolated people that I know. <laughs> I mean, you have to let out some steam. You have to be able to laugh with people. You have to remember like there's still a lot of good in this world and, and go out into nature and there's still a lot of happy, healthy families who are completely sane. And the, actually, even when you think of the greater planet, a lot of people agree with us on a lot of things. You know, we're just getting hit really hard with this kind of crap in the West and there's just a loud vocal minority. And sure, they're trying to pull all kinds of stuff. But in the end, tyranny, yeah, sure, they can win in, in the short term. But in the long term, people want to be free. You know, they want to be free and they will fight back for that. So anyway, ladies, it's been great having you here and connecting with you. Uh, it's it's always a pleasure. It feels like it feels like yesterday to me, even though it's like several years can go by. But that's how it is when we, we have that we have that connection, you know. So I want to know where people can find your stuff. Let people know. I know you're on Telegram and Subscribestar, YouTube, DLive, correct? Let us know, Sarah. Yes, uh, Telegram is where we're at daily. Uh, we post content there daily, mostly original content, but we also share other channels that we like. So that's definitely the place to find us. You can uh, join the chat and comment on things there if you want. We also have a YouTube channel and a BitChute channel. Uh, we are working on getting an Odyssey set up, but not quite there yet. We do have a Subscribestar where we post blogs. So if you want to check that out, you're welcome to. We are also on the old, um, <laughs> the old enemy archaic spots. So Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. However, All right. Use we... it however long you can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't post there very often, but we are there. So there's you know ways to reach out, ways to get in touch. So yeah. Chris, anything you want to add there? No, no, are she you, covered. Okay. I mean, everywhere you can find us. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Are you are you on Twitter or no? Because I went to go look at your old Twitter from the old show, and that was long gone. So, <laughs> oh really? Did you no, post I, some naughty things? Yeah. I, oh. 
Yeah, I got off it a long time ago. I just, I don't know. I never found much use with it. I didn't, I didn't really care for it much. So yeah, I, I just got off of it. Not really for any particular reason. Just it's kind of boring. Just kind of over it. It's amazing yeah. how much uh-huh. time you can waste. I always say I wouldn't be. I don't think I'd be on social media if I wasn't doing this. <laughs> but some days I'm like, ah, right. oh, it's a hassle. I gotta go post something there. And there's some people that are just like addicted to it. It's amazing how if you just, if you just don't have a Twitter, how much more time you can have. <laughs> Anyway, thank you for coming on. It's been a blast. And I just want to let all our listeners know, people that may be catching the show, people always say, oh, it's so hard to find you now that you're not on YouTube. That always drives me nuts. I don't want to hear you say that. We are not on the dark corners of the internet. All you have to do is go to redice.tv. Just go right there, put it in your browser, and you'll find all the links. So thanks to our members and supporters for making this show possible. We can't do it without you. So we'll see you all in the next one. love red ice want more get access to exclusive material by signing up for a red ice membership you'll be able to watch weekend warrior our flagship show the second hour of interviews and other special feature videos only for subscribers were you a member and we lost you along the way renew we love and appreciate you guys and gals and cannot do this without you help us be a sane voice a lighthouse in the sea of insanity as times get tougher as people are searching for answers they're going to need content like red ice a little of all your support can go a long way thank you